0: This is Because I Said So, Parenting Advice, with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Rosemond. Syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Rosemond. Hello out there in American Family Radio land. Welcome to the show. I'm John Roseman, your host. The show is called Because I Said So. As the name implies, we are all about child rearing. I know it's called parenting, but I really, even though I use the term sometimes, I really don't like it. I prefer the rearing of children, child rearing, raising children. I prefer those old-fashioned phrases to the newfangled parenting word which, by the way, uh, many people don't realize, is 47 years old. It was first used as part of the title of a book by a psychologist named Fitzhugh Dodson. The book was published in 1970, that would be 47 years ago, and the book was titled How to Parent. And it was the first time, at least the first time that I can find, that the noun parent was uh, miraculously transformed into a verb. So, um, you know, why don't I like it? I don't like it because it implies that the raising of a child, the word parenting and the use of the word parent as a verb implies that the raising of a child is somehow a technology and that as such, it can be mastered with enough reading and attending of seminars and so on and so forth. And if that is in fact the case, one is moved to ask, how in the world have human beings managed to raise children fairly successfully for 5,000 plus years in the absence of experts telling us how to do it. Well, John, you are one of the experts in question. Well, that's right. Well, I am. I am an expert at the raising of children. Why am I an expert? I'm an expert because I'm a grandfather. I, in other words, know what I know about children and how to raise them properly because, for one, I'm a grandparent. For two, I have studied what the Bible God's Word tells us about uh, children and how to raise them properly, and I maintain—and by the way, folks, if you're joining the show for the first time, I need to tell you what I have said many times before, and that is that I am a psychologist by license issued by the North Carolina Psychology Board in 1979 and duly renewed— Every two years, by jumping through the hoops that the North Carolina Psychology Board requires me to jump through. Now, I am a psychologist by license. I am not a Christian psychologist because I do not believe that a biblical worldview and psychology can be functionally integrated with one another. Psychology is, in effect, a set of theories concerning the nature of human beings. And these understandings of psychology stand in complete 180-degree opposition to a biblical understanding of the nature of human beings. And I have, ever since the year 2000, when either I brought, depending on how you say it, or Jesus came into my life. I have adhered solidly to a biblical worldview, and I now in my life, and I have for at least 17 years, completely rejected, completely 100%, a psychological understanding of human beings. But I maintain my license because I want to be able to, with credibility, stand up in front of an audience somewhere in America as I do over a hundred times a year, and say what I nearly always say, especially if I'm in front of an audience in a church, which is that psychology has caused more problems for the American child, the American parent, the American marriage, the American family, the American school, community, and culture than psychologists even know how to solve. They are the problem. They are not the solution to the problem. Psychology is a secular religion that one believes in by faith. There are no facts in psychology. There are only theories. Furthermore, every psychological theory pertaining to human nature, Freudian theory, humanistic theory, behavioral theory, they have all been unproved. Why are they still taught? Because psychology has nowhere else to go. They've backed themselves into a corner, with their unproven theories, and uh, they can't come up with any new ideas. They've exhausted them. Why is psychology, why do I call it a secular religion? Because it promises salvation. It promises salvation through a process called therapy conducted by another sinful human being. Now, is that not absurd audience or what? By the way, occasionally I get uh, really angry emails from uh, people who call themselves Christian psychologists, and I will say it again, people who call themselves Christian psychologists are kidding themselves. I am a Christian who happens to hold a license in psychology. That's two entirely different ways of saying that. And I think that people who call themselves Christian psychologists are kidding themselves, and I would... Uh, I would guarantee, I would admit that they are unwittingly, unwittingly deceiving other people, again, because a biblical understanding of human nature and a psychological understanding of human nature are worlds apart. They cannot be integrated functionally. Psychology is a worldview. It stands in opposition to a biblical worldview. For one thing, the Bible clearly tells us that Uh, we are sinful from the get-go. Psychology believes we are sinful, we engage in bad behavior because we've been raised badly, which from a biblical point of view is completely head in the sand up to your shoulders hogwash. So anyway, back to the word parenting. It emerged in the early 1970s, and it implies that the raising of children is a technology that can be mastered if one humbles oneself enough at the uh, the feet of professional parenting experts. And yes, I am one. But again, I am an expert because I have raised two children. I am a grandparent. I look back on uh, my own child-rearing years with a tremendous degree of clarity, because it's true that you gain 20-20 vision in hindsight. And I am an expert because I am uh, very, very clear, having studied Scripture, I am very, very clear on what Scripture says about children and how to raise them properly. And this is what I do. I go around the country and I tell people, here's what the Bible says about the raising of children. And uh, let's get something very, very clear. We use personal pronouns like this is my son, this is my daughter, these are our kids, those are Tom and Martha's kids, and so on and so forth. But in fact, these are God's children. We are told in Scripture that he created all of us including your children before the foundations of the earth were laid. And these are his children. We stand as his proxies in the raising of children. As such, we should be using his set of directions. We should not be leaning on the understandings of man when it comes to the rearing of kids. And in I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I I say it as often as possible in my public presentations and this radio show. There is a clear set of directions concerning the rearing of children in Scripture. And if you read Scripture with an eye toward discovering those understandings, they will leap off the page, I guarantee you. These understandings begin biblically, with verse 24 of the second chapter of Genesis, where it says, the man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. A note there, the use of the word shall in the the King James Version three times, three times shall. The man shall leave his father and mother. In other words, guys and, and ladies out there the emancipation of the male from his parents' household is mandated by God. Therefore, it is unhealthy, spiritually and otherwise, for a young male who is capable intellectually and physically of supporting himself to be living in his parents' home. The Bible says he needs to get out of there, find a wife, and settle down and begin creating a family. It is marriages and family that provide functional organization to culture. Take a look around you, ladies and gentlemen. You can easily see what happens in culture when people don't get married the result is anarchy, chaos, dissolution, criminality. There is nothing good that comes of this. Why? Because you cannot violate God's directions for living in any area of life and not bring down troubles on your head. And when vast numbers of people violate God's directions— then entire cultures bring down big problems on themselves. And this is, you know, take a look around you. This is what's happening in America today. And it has been happening, the decline of American culture ever since the 1960s when we initiated the social welfare state. So we're coming up fast on the breaks. You can find out more about me and my parenting ministry, family ministry, by going to johnrosemond.com. Remember, the show is uh, aired every Saturday on American Family Radio at 5 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. You can do the math from there. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. It's called Because I Said So. We're all about the raising of children, and I'm your host, John Rosemond, here on American Family Radio. My thanks to Tim Wildman and uh, everyone there at American Family Association for allowing me this opportunity to uh, talk about my ministry to families on the air every week, Saturday at 5 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Eastern. What would that be? It would be Mountain Time, 4 o'clock, Pacific Time, 3 o'clock, and so on and so forth. I don't know, to tell you the truth, if American Family Radio is carried outside the borders of the United States, if you're listening outside the United States, I'd really like to uh, hear from you. Send me an email at radio at Rosemond or johnrosemond.com. Either either way, it'll get to me. Radio at rosemond.com or radio at johnrosemond.com. And if you'd just like to ask me a question, share with me a comment about the show, only laudatory comments are allowed, Please send me an email. No, truly make suggestions. Give me some ideas. I'd, I'd love to hear from you. So, anyway, I was talking about Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, which is where God puts male and female together. He has created male and female and created them in two entirely different ways, which means that male and female are constructed differently, not just physically, but all the way through, right down to the core. Male and female are different. And along those lines, I might just drop in this little comment, there is no possible way that you can be biologically a female, yet actually a male. And there is no way that one can be biologically a male, but actually a female people who believe in that are deluded. But such is the state of post in America. What is post-modernity all about? It's all about relativism. And this began in the 1960s. Relativism had been on a leash for thousands of years. The leash was taken off, at least in America, in the late 1960s. And the infection of relativism began to run rampant in this country. At first, relativism was simply all about the idea that uh, right and wrong were arbitrary constructs, that they were culture-bound and time-bound, that they were not absolutes that right and wrong is described in the Bible it might have been pertinent 3,000 years ago, but it was no longer pertinent, and this is why we eliminated in the 1950s, by the way, prayer from the schools. I say the leash was taken off in the 1960s, but we began to unclip the leash in the 1950s, and today relativism has proceeded to the point where Now we have the absolutely insane, and it is insane, delusional idea that uh, one can be biologically one gender and yet actually the very opposite gender. No, folks, uh, God does not work that way. So, anyway, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Open your Bibles, go get your Bible, if, and, and uh, if you're driving in your car, please just continue to drive. Don't grab your Bible and start reading it while you're driving down the road. But if you're in a situation where you can open your Bible, open it to uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, if you've got a King James Version, which for this particular scripture, I prefer and I prefer it because the word shall is used three times. The man shall leave his father and mother, and he shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the, the word shall emphasizes that this is not a suggestion. This is, in effect, a commandment. It is a commandment. It is a non arbitrary, binding instruction from God. He is saying to men, get out of your parents' house, support yourselves, find a woman, get married to this woman, do not bounce from one relationship to another, settle down, domesticate yourself, and begin having children, and the scripture ends with, and they shall become one flesh. Now, many people, even some pastors, by the way, seem to believe that that simply refers to a monogamous sexual relationship, which in fact it does refer to. But that is not all it refers to. It means to be of one mind of one purpose, and on the same page. And when I'm talking in front of a church audience of God's about God's instructions for the raising of children, this is where I begin. And here's what I always say, that if you are not on the same page in the raising of your children with your spouse, then that means necessarily that you have not, since you began to have children, maintained a state of one-fleshedness in your relationship with one another. Uh, What do I mean by that? I mean that you, when you began having children, the two of you began to slowly but surely slip out of the roles of husband and wife And you began to occupy the roles of mom and dad increasingly such that today you are not on the same page when it comes to the raising of kids because you occupy the roles of mom and dad in your family all but exclusively. You have stopped being husband and wife. And it is clear from a reading, a proper reading of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, that the only way to maintain a state of one-fleshedness is to maintain selves in the roles of husband and wife. You slip out of those roles into the roles of mom and dad. And by the way, there's tremendous cultural pressure. On people to do exactly that. And you will find yourselves no longer on the same page. That's just the way it is. So when a person comes up to me somewhere in America, you know, at a speaking engagement, and uh, usually at a speaking engagement, that's where this happens. Person comes up to me and takes me off to the side and says, uh, John, in, in a low tone of voice, my spouse, who is standing across the lobby there, and I are not on the same page when it comes to the raising of kids. Can you give me any advice? How can we get back on the same page? And my answer is, you need to get married. And it's a quixotic, which means somewhat mysterious, answer, indeed, and I intend it to be. And the response is predictable. The person will say, oh, no, 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 John, I didn't mean to create a misunderstanding. We are married but we're not on the same page. And I said, well, if you're not on the same page, then you're not married. Being married means more than just having a piece of paper from the state of whatever this is that says you are married. Being married means more than just living in the same house together. Being married means more than simply sharing children together. Being married is a spiritual condition. And if you are not on the same page with your spouse when it comes to the rearing of children, then that means you are no longer phenomenologically, that's the term philosophers use. It's a big highfalutin term, and I wanted to demonstrate to my audience how highly intelligent I am by using that word. Then you are no longer phenomenologically actually married. I know what the problem is you have slipped out of the roles of husband and wife, and you are occupying the roles of mom and dad. Those are gender-specific roles. You cannot be in a state of one flesh as mom and dad. You only can be in a state of one flesh as husband and wife. The term one flesh, commanded by God, they shall become one flesh, Genesis 2, verse 24, means more than simply being sexually faithful to one another. It means being of one purpose, one mind. And this applies to the raising of children. You are not of one mind because you are not, again, occupying the roles of husband and wife, primarily in your family. You have children, and you don't understand that Your children need more than anything else for you to be husband and wife because there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that puts a more solid foundation of security and well-being under a child's feet than the knowledge that his parents are in a committed relationship. Nothing is of more benefit to a child than that, but, you know, beyond the basic necessities, food, shelter, clothing, et cetera, et cetera. Along those lines, folks, I watch parents all over the country. I'm a parenting voyeur, if you will. I watch parents in restaurants. I watch parents in their own homes. I watch parents in stores and other public places. And this is what I observe, that today's parents cannot stop paying attention to their children. They are, in effect, obsessed with constantly demonstrating by paying attention to and talking to their children that they are indeed good parents. And that seems to be the idea, that the more attention you pay a child and talk to the child, the better a parent you are. All right, folks. Well, we're, you know, it's the fastest 30 minutes in in radio, for me anyway. We're right back uh, uh, up against the end of the show. Thanks for joining us. American Family Radio, if you liked uh, the show, join us next Saturday at 5 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Eastern on American Family Radio. God bless you all. God bless your families. Thanks for being with me today.